Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 49. So Brooke, today's episode is going to be about values, but the first thing I do need to say is welcome back. This is the first time we've spoken in 2017. We both had a bit of a break over the winter, winter, the summer holidays in in, in Australia, Um, winter holidays in, in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, we both had a bit of a break, so... How are you? What have been, like, tell our listeners what you've been doing because you've been doing more exciting stuff than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's good to be back. Kel, I honestly, I miss these conversations so much while we were off. I mean, we took a good like, six weeks between yeah, chats, I think. Yeah, a bit too and long. And I've really felt it. <laughs> yeah, I've withdrawal. really felt it. <laughs> yeah. but Brooke withdrawal. <laughs> Where's my sanity check? <laughs> I'm like, where's my therapy? <laughs> I've had therapy for six weeks. <laughs> I just spoke to a psychologist friend the other day just to get a little bit of a fix. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Sorry, um, it's just embarrassing. No, that's, yeah, just a little bit. Um, no, we, we went to Japan actually, Ben and the kids and I uh, headed off to a place called Nazawa Onsen in the mountains in Japan. So it was winter holidays for us. And it was so beautiful, like just it exceeded all expectations. Um, yeah, it was. You got a, a really lot of snow. Was break. it genuinely amazing yeah. dumps of snow? Because some of your pictures, I was like, "Whoa, you, that's good snow." Yep. It was crazy. We got so we were there for in Nazawa for ten nights, and in that period of time, three meters of snow fell. <laughs> <laughs> Like, which is unusually good. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, and it snowed. So we arrived and it wasn't snowing. But then it snowed solidly for about four days. There was a massive storm that came through. But it was still great. We still got to ski every day. It didn't stop us doing anything. Uh, there was one kind of blizzardy day, but that was still fine. And then we had a couple of a couple of days without snow, and then another storm rolled through, mm-hmm. and it was just I love snow. Like I I, <laughs> I find it's just magic to me, and it's I never get sick of it. I never get sick of the cold. I never get sick of like the damp, squelchy foot, <laughs> muddy business at all. I just love it. Like I would walk around in the snow all day if I could. Uh, that is and so maybe funny. if I was like a North American, you know, grown up with long, cold winters for my entire life, I wouldn't feel like that. But I don't know. To me, it's just it's like my my idyllic place, you know, to be in the mountains with snow. Um, yeah, so it was it was awesome. And then we spent a few days in Tokyo, too, which was quite the change of pace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I really liked it. I liked Tokyo a lot. Uh, I didn't know how I would be in like a big fast busy city and there were moments where I kind of felt a little bit you know confronted by the just the sheer number of people but it's so orderly and everyone's so polite orderly and polite it's a bit like Switzerland like I love Switzerland because of that reason it's clean orderly polite makes sense to me and it's just awesome so that's that's interesting to know that Tokyo is like that as well yeah, and it's, I mean, for such a big, sprawling 
a highly densely populated city, there's so many green spaces, which really surprised oh, me. Okay, that makes a big difference. It, which was it? beautiful. So we got to spend time in all these big parks and gardens and, you know, wandered around. We went from sort of Harajuku, which is crazy busy, lots of people, quite touristy, really like hypey area to this incredible shrine in this enormous park. And it felt like we'd been transported you know, over, over a period of like a hundred meters, we walked from Harajuku into this shrine. It was phenomenal and really, really family friendly, which is another thing that surprised me, but lots of families, lots of young kids. It's incredibly safe. Yeah. It was, it was just brilliant. I can recommend it to everyone. It was awesome. And the food was amazing. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've not yet met a single person who's been to Japan and come away disappointed. Like everyone mm-hmm. I know who's been there has just raved about it on, on every level, on every level that you yep. just mentioned, especially the snow lovers. Like I'm I'm not a snow lover. <laughs> I, I like looking at snow, but um, I, I just get really cold. And I know people go, oh, you just don't know how to dress for it. But I... um. I've been to Canada right in the death of winter and I just remember like having to wear so much stuff and it's all like thermal this and you know all the all the gear and I still could not get warm and yeah. so it's, I don't know my body just doesn't function in cold at all and it finds it really really difficult to to stay warm and if I get cold it's it for me like I'm there's there's no coming back from that so yeah, I love the idea of snow and I love the idea of cold, but I just I don't do that well in it. So yeah, lucky for you or lucky for me, I was in Australia while you were in the snow, <laughs> and um, yes, experiencing our. It's funny where I am in Perth has not been the summeriest of summers. It's been more autumn like, which is fine because autumn's really delightful in Perth, but. It's not summer. And I'm like, no, we just came out of the longest, coldest winter ever. Where is my summer? You know, what is this 25 and 26 degrees stuff? Like, where's my 40? So it's been really lovely and the school holidays have been long. So, yeah, for you guys listening, this is our long holidays down under. And, yes, my child has been off school for six weeks. He goes back this week. He's still not back. So, yeah, we're at the death of it now and I'm a bit, we're, everybody's a bit over the school holidays. And, yeah, the summer hasn't been quite hot enough for, you know, to take advantage of the pool that we have as much as we'd like. So, of course, yeah. Yeah, so we've got – I just – it's weird. It's just been – it's been, you know, the kids will go in the pool at any temperature really, but it hasn't been like those super mega hot days where you just go in for hours. So it's – yeah, we'll see. Usually when the kids go back to school, that's when it warms up and we go, oh, there we go. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging out. Everyone else is just like, oh, this is the best summer ever. And I'm like, no, it needs Where's to be hotter. <laughs> oh, I think Sydney's been the opposite. Sydney's had like yeah. a cracker of a, a summer. It's been really, really, really hot apparently. Um, and really humid yeah, which as well, is, which is not a great combination. Yeah. No, I've been hit real hard since we've come back <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize that we lived in soup <laughs> yeah is, is, like you'd be hashtagging everything um not japan <laughs> i yeah, remember yeah, doing exactly. that when we went to the philippines a couple of years ago and it was just we got like the most magical beautiful weather for like nine days and then we came home to perth and it was just raining and cold and raining and cold and so like i was just kept taking pictures of the rain going not cebu 
not Cebu. <laughs> <laughs> not the Philippines. But okay, so we could probably talk forever about our holidays because we haven't spoken for so long. And there's, there is so much to talk about because you've got a book coming out, it, lots of stuff, but mm-hmm. we better get going. Let's get into the it. Show. Yeah. So today's episode is going to be about values, which is a pretty cool thing to kick off the year because values is, is the thing that kind of underpins intention really and that's really what this podcast is about is being intentional with how you choose to live your life so you don't feel like life is just taking you for a ride and everything's out of control Hmm. so and of course a frequent question we get from people and one that we've not answered thus far is how do you identify your values so that you can make those good decisions like we've, we've touched on it in other episodes but we've never dedicated a whole uh, podcast to it so Mm. since my favorite thing to do in this podcast is to just drop you in it Brooke (laughs) tell me how did you come to define your values given there's no 50 multiple choice question quiz available on the internet that just allows you to that just spits out oh here's your five great you know here's your five most important values to you it's such a it's such a good and important question you know and I'm really glad we're starting the year off with this because I think looking back at at sort of the trajectory of my life over the past few years it's that was a real point of delineation when I recognized what was truly important to me in my life and the life I was trying to build everything changed after that like not in a you know in an amazing kind of overnight way yeah everything started to shift after that moment because I was able to start making decisions based on what was important. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. For a long time, I felt like a passenger in my life. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd say yes to things just because that was the expectation or that someone asked me, so I'd say yes. You know, I, I wasn't particularly mindful of my actions or my choices or the way I spoke or the way I thought or the way I ate like things just happened to me you know which is not actually true but that that's that you know I was really really unintentional you know in the way I was doing things and it wasn't until I had been sort of shifting the way we were living for a while had been decluttering and starting to simplify but I, like I wasn't there. I knew that there was more that I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to change, uh, you know, the way we were living even further, but I didn't necessarily know how to do that. I couldn't articulate what that meant or what it looked like. Then we were traveling in Canada, actually, and I bought a little book of just full of writing prompts. And one of the writing prompts that I first saw was to write your eulogy in three sentences. And I think I might have spoken about this before, but... I did that, you know, over a period of time, I I kind of sat down and and essentially what it was asking me to do was think about the life you want to live and think about it from the perspective of the end of it so that you get the advantage of looking back and seeing what it actually looked like. And I did that, you know, and and (laughs) there is no, no other way that I've, I've discovered that really cuts through all the, the BS like that, because when you're looking at something from the end and you're looking at, at how you want it to look and what you want people to remember you for or, or feel when they're around you or, you know, talk about when you're gone, that that's what's important. And to me, that was just the, the best way of 
of being able to, to articulate that in a very kind of 10,000 foot view way. So I was yeah. able to write my, my eulogy in, you know, three or four sentences. And from there, I started to be able to pull out the values. And there were things like, you know, adventure and spontaneity and, and generosity and kindness and sense of humor and parenting with intention, you know, giving my kids roots and giving them wings and, you know, opening their mind to the world and, and creating people who care, you know, and, and essentially I wanted to leave the world a better place than I found it. And from there, I was able to start extracting really specific values. And that's really what's allowed me to start making decisions based on those values. And it's, I, when I was thinking about this, I wrote down it, it, having those things at the center of my life has made it easier. That's not actually true. It's made it simpler, but not easier to mm-hmm. make, to create a life, you know, based on those values and those priorities. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, of course it totally does. Yeah. It's, it's just so interesting hearing how people arrive at their values because it is something I've written about both on my blog, but also in um, my second book, Practical Perfection. And it's really, um, yeah, it's a difficult thing because even if you talk to a psychologist, they'll tell you that, it, you know, they all have their own different way of helping a mm. person identify their values. And usually it involves sitting down one-on-one with the person with this big, long list of words, you know, like recognition, fame, family assertiveness like oh like it's a list of like a well over a hundred words and literally working through the list or working through cards going you know is this something that's important to you is this something that's important to you and then you know slowly eliminating things and slowly slowly drilling down to okay these are kind of the five things that are most important to me and the other difficult thing is that your, your core values, like things like, say, family. For most people, family is a real core value. And those things don't tend to change over time. But other yep. things do. So say, like, right now, one of my values, and for most of my life, one of my values has been recognition. And, you know, but that may not be a value forever. Like, that might mm-hmm. morph into something else. And interestingly, when for me, for recognition, it's not like recognition from like everybody in the world. It's like yeah. it's peer recognition. I really crave and value recognition by my peers. Um, but yeah, so it's a difficult thing because everyone's just like, just point me to something, point me to an exercise that I can do that's going <laughs> to help me figure out what my values are so that I can get on with knowing what my values are and use those to you know, apply those to my life. And it's like, well, it's not that simple. I mean, I guess like one of my favorite ways to kind of identify values is to look for tension. So for Mm. me, like there's always been this tension between being present for my family while going after the things, you know, the big goals that I set for myself and because there's tension between those two things, I know that they're two things that are very, very important to me, which means that where there's not tension, so where there's something that I'm going after where I'm a little bit meh about it, like, yeah, you know, it would Mm. be cool, but, you know, whatever, then I can kind of go, look, 
you're going after this thing at the moment or you're striving for this thing that's not really causing any kind of great tension inside of you. So maybe that's not really, and and because, you know, a lot of, as we said, values comes down to allowing us to make decisions that help us be more intentional with life. So if there's something in your life that you are a little bit meh about, um, then you can kind of look at that thing and go, okay, this thing is clearly not as important to me as I thought it was, or I'm probably doing this thing because somebody else told me I should. Yep. Meanwhile, devoting time to doing this thing is stealing time from me doing the things that are genuinely really important to me. And I'm a bit like you, obviously. I um, had a real period there in my life where I was just on the roller coaster of life and it was completely being taken for a ride and I was just, you know, and it was, was and, I, and also because I was looking for the answer because I just thought there had to be an answer. And I didn't want to say no to anything in case that was the answer that was going to make everything in my life better and make me happy, mm-hmm. which of course, so it just meant I was being pulled in all these millions of directions based on other people's agendas and other people's suggestions and other people being very well-meaning and going, well, why don't you give this a try and that a try? And ultimately, like you, things only got better when I went, okay, hang on a minute here. <laughs> I need to take back control of my life and the and the place that I started with was like, was drilling down and going, right, I am doing all these things. Which of these things are really actually important to me? And then drilling down to what was actually important. As you say, it made life so much simpler, not easier. Yeah. It just made decision-making simpler. So it meant that someone could come to me with an opportunity. And as far as I'm concerned, every opportunity is an amazing thing and an amazing opportunity. But now, you know, whereas before it was like, this is too good to say no to. Now I can go, this is amazing, but it's just not right for me right now. So thank you so much for asking. I'm super flattered, but I'm going to have to let it go. Whereas in the past, never would I have been able to, to do that and then I think yeah. yeah and when yeah and when I talk about tension like I think we've all had that experience where we've said where we've been like oh, uh, uh, I, I know I don't really want to do this but oh, how do I say no and then you say no and it feels like a real relief and weight <laughs> yeah. and the tension evaporates and then you go oh I can't you know and that's when you know that you've made that right decision. Whereas if you yes. kind of, you know, you say no to something because you're like, I'm just, I'm just too busy. I'm going to say no to this, even though it's great. And, and then you kind of have that gnawing feeling like you can't stop thinking about it. That's when you can kind of go, uh, okay, maybe I need to find a way to make this work. And that was a little bit, um, a little bit when we started podcasting, like right at the time where it's kind of time to start recording our first shows. Like I was right in the middle of writing the first draft of Practical Perfection and that was a horrible, horrible first draft. It was horrible. (laughs) I wrote it over the course of a month and it was just like I hated everything about everything and and we were just about due to start recording and I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's just all too much. It's all too much. But then every time I went to say to, to you and to Carly, oh, guys, I'm out. I can't. There was just this tension inside of me going, no, like, it, you know, even though this is going to be hard, it feels, you know, 
there's something telling me like you have you have to do this you have to find a, ma- a way to make it happen and of course now like a year later I look back and go thank god because podcasting has been amazing on so many levels so it's yeah that's why I like coming back to tension because I just feel like that tension or lack of it you know and I, I guess it's a bit related to your gut feeling as well it's all yeah. in with there as well I think it's I mean it's really it's very intuitive as well but I think what you need in order to pay attention to the tension is a certain level of self-awareness and as you've been talking and as I've been thinking about values and and priorities and and making decisions based on those values and priorities and and choosing or not choosing to do things based on them it really does require a certain level of self-awareness I think and I mean were you always a self-aware person I've always been a pretty self-aware person but what I will say is that my ability to be self-aware was compromised by a lack of space as in mental Mm -hmm. space and it was only when I freed up mental space that my natural self-awareness was able to kind of assert itself and that that's an interesting point about space where because you know we all talk about decluttering our homes and how that kind of you know the space that that frees up frees up you know obviously makes us feel better physically looking at it but I was just thinking like you know if you're someone who's a bit all at sea and wanting to figure out what your values are I wonder if you're if it's worth like literally completely decluttering your life as in and this is quite drastic but literally stopping everything it's a bit like you know Mm. that whole thing where you just take every single thing out of your wardrobe and put it on the bed and then you put things back in one by one as you actually wear them wear them yep and I almost think like you know if things are a bit dire in life you can almost take that you know, nobody has the ability to be that extreme that they can literally just drop everything in their life and then just bring them back in as they need them. But you can you can sort of bring that approach. I feel like there's so much going on. And this is kind of an exercise I talk about in, in Practical Perfection where I say to people, just for one month, kind of say no to everything as your first mm. response. It, and it, that is a little bit extreme and obviously can't apply to every situation, but to anything that you can say no to, say no to it. And what that does is it just creates an absolute bucket load of space. And then when you're faced with this space, then you get to be far more intentional about what you then choose to fill that space with. And it's when you're being intentional about what you're choosing to fill that space with, that's when your values become very apparent. Well, what's truly important becomes very, very apparent to you. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I I was actually reading an article this morning. It's on the Harvard blog. I'll include a link in the show notes, but it talks about mindfulness practices and not really, not necessarily meditation, but just being in the moment or paying attention to what's going on, single, single tasking, you know, breathing, exercising, whatever it is, but practicing those things mindfully for about 20 minutes a day over a period of eight weeks enhances our ability to think more clearly. And it enhances our, our self-awareness by like a ridiculous amount. And I think that that's essentially what you're, you're talking about as well is mindfully saying no, mindfully creating buffer or margin or space and then choosing what goes back in it in a way mm. that is sort of aligned with your values. You, you really need to give yourself an opportunity 
to think it through with some space because you're right when you're overwhelmed and busy you you're reactionary like we all do it we always yeah. we get ourselves into those positions where we simply must do stuff because we're too busy we've got too much going on so we just do and we do and we do and we do and there's not enough being you know there's not enough yeah. just sitting and thinking and considering and I think that becomes problematic when that becomes the norm because then we we don't ever get a chance to stop and consider it's you know it happens and I think it's important to note that everyone gets to that stage sometimes you know best intentions uh you know be damned sometimes <laughs> because things just all happen at once and that's fine providing it doesn't become the norm which then becomes overwhelm oh that's it and I think that that's a really important point and I think something we have normalized overwhelm yes and we have as a society normalized those days that are so heavily scheduled like every minute is scheduled down to the minute there's no time for contingencies we're reactionary and I like you know and I've certainly been here myself where the more life feels a little bit out of control the more that we do in an effort to feel like we've got control but then Mm. of course the more that we do it's just exacerbating the problem and that's when we have to and, and I guess we've, you know, I've spoken about this before that, you know, we've seen it so often in others. We've, we've certainly seen it in ourselves that we all wait till things get very dire and then we go, okay, now that I'm sitting on the floor of my kitchen and considering that the world would be better without me in it, okay, maybe it's time mm-hmm. to do something about this. <laughs> like I really, yeah. and this is, I guess, the thing that I'm most proud of myself over the past few, you know, past five or six years is that I no longer need to get to that state before I do something. I arrest, you know, I do get into overwhelm still because life is life. But when, I, you know, I'll be in overwhelm for a week or two and go, whoa, okay. And that's when I start to reprioritize. But it is, and this comes back to values, it's hard to re- reprioritize when you're not too sure what your values are. Yeah. One of my, so on markmanson.net uh so it's markmanson.net slash life dash purpose um so he's said he's talking about life purpose he says seven strange things that help you find your life purpose but this kind of to me speaks to values as well and my favorite one is my favorite one of the seven is the first one which is what's your favorite flavor of shit sandwich and does it come with an (laughs) olive Um, and the point that he's making here is that he says here's the sticky little truth about life that they don't tell you at high school everything sucks some of the time Hmm. so you know even the things that we value really highly suck some of the time and I think you know it's easy to kind of get stuck with something and think oh that's it you know if this is something if I'm stuck and this is not fun or it's not happening maybe I don't really value it or maybe it's not as important to me that as I thought it was and maybe it's not because the thing is the way that you know something's important to you is when it just gnaws at you and you you can't ignore it and so you actually find that you're able to push through and eat the shit sandwich regardless (laughs) because it is that important to you so so you, you think of the things that you are willing to do in the name of family there's a lot of shit sandwiches in there. <laughs> and I'm just having oh, yeah. this flashback of like a, re- a, a recent episode of, shoot, of Suits. <laughs> well, recent episode, second time around, where Jessica tells Harvey, you know, 
I've just had to eat a shit sandwich, so you got to, you know, back me up here. <laughs> it was an epic kind of scene, and I just didn't know to serve and no service at all. But yeah, certainly, if you think with regards to something that's really important to you, and if you look at it, if you look back over time, you will see how many times you've been, you've had to do something or be in a situation where you just really didn't want to be, but you found the wherewithal to push through it because it was so important mm. to you. So yeah. if you can identify situations like that in the past where you were able to push through, I mean, I even think with you and me with writing, like how often are we writing a book and going, nah, this sucks. Mm. Like, like oh, I said, yeah. that, <laughs> that first draft of Practical Profession, like I said, it was awful. It basically, the it was three sections and the first two sections needed a complete rewrite. It was horrible. It was, it was just, just the worst thing, but... I did it and I pushed through because it was something that was so, so important to me. I really value the opportunity to get my thoughts out into the world and to help people with those thoughts. So I'm willing to do fairly horrible, um, heart-wrenching yeah. stuff in order to make that happen. So, yes, I think it's good to look for those. I think that's a really good point, actually, Kel. I think that's a great point because I think so often when we're looking for these solutions or these ways forward you know we expect them to look a certain way and to make yeah. things feel a certain way and they do but they're not all roses you know and they never are and I think the other thing that I would add to that is that your and it's something you touched on earlier your values essentially will your core values will essentially stay the same I think over time oh, I know mine certainly have and a lot of people yeah. I talk to their core central values which are kind of the big pep like the big rocks in life you know yes. that, that sort of analogy yeah. of filling your jar with two or three big rocks and then you've got the smaller pebbles and then you've got your gravel um you know and I think that those core stones don't necessarily change very often um but the other stuff does, you know, and that's okay. You're not, you know, I often tell people if I'm talking them through the process of writing their, like their eulogy or their values kind of, you know, list or, or whatever they want to call it, this isn't a contract. Like you're not signing your life away. This isn't how things have to be. So don't kind of get fearful that you're locking yourself into a particular kind of life. But <laughs> what is it now that that's important to you? And I think for me over time, it's not even so much as it's changed. Like I haven't done a 180 but I've really dug deeper into things and started to understand what it is about family and what it is about generosity and what it is about kindness that that are the most important to me because they're big, like they're big ideas, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think it's 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 a process, you know. It's like all of this stuff. It's a process. I don't think there's ever a one and done kind of solution with making these changes. Uh, and when I realized that, that was a relief. Yeah, and there's no no destination, is there? No. Like, we're not, it's not like, oh, and I'm at, you know. I'm done now. Value yeah, station exactly. number five and woohoo. Exactly. <laughs> that I'm, I'm good for the rest of my life. So, And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people do get caught up, yeah, caught up thinking that once they identify their values, well, that's it, life should be easy now. Mm. Or not so much easy, but, you know, okay, now that I know what's important to me, everything else, everything will just generally fall in place and it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't because it, because it requires action and choice at every step. You know, it's, if it was easy, then everyone would be living a values aligned life already without having to do any of this kind of head work. But 
you know, you've done the, the head and heart work of figuring out what's important to you, but then it's a matter of making the choices, which aren't always or even mostly the easy choices, but they're the important ones to make. Uh, and that's why it's not, it's not just a, you know, write this list of values and things are going to be great kind of solution. It's, it just gives you an incredibly strong foundation on which to start building the kind of life that you want rather than um, kind of <laughs> chopping and changing and, and making it up as we go. I think it, it's just a level of stability and clarity that for me anyway that, uh, that I just didn't have before. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag Let It Be Pod. Or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.